Amen. And let us continue uh, hearing the good word of life now from God's holy word in Romans chapter 5, beginning in the first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope, in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we dig into this word together this morning, you may be like some of those who, as uh, I've seen on Facebook and Instagram, you might be one of those who have wanted to post this meme that makes reference to that they are, this is the time of year that they are vaguely aware that there's a football game going on this weekend. Now, I don't know if that's the same group of people who are just vaguely aware that tomorrow is Valentine's Day, but if you needed a public service announcement about tomorrow, there you go. But vaguely aware, right? It, the, the game that's happening later today is so entrenched in part of our culture that even those who don't follow football have to make Facebook and Instagram posts about it, right? Uh, my favorite Super Bowl picture and image comes uh, in the form of a story by my friend, Limburus Justo. Limburus Justo or Justo as we'd call him, uh, was a a fellow student. He's a pastor from Tanzania. Uh, He went home to be with the Lord in early part of 2021. And maybe this story that I often tell every year uh, around Super Bowl uh, becomes uh, uh, even more poignant for me today. 
because uh, Justo used to get invited to preach all the time when he was living in the United States. As an evangelist and Lutheran pastor, uh, many congregations would welcome him on a Sunday morning. And so he was invited on a particular Sunday morning uh, to preach, but shortly before the service began, the pastor mentioned to him that, hey, I just wanted to make you aware that some folks might be a little anxious and, uh, to get out of here early today since it's the big game this afternoon. So Justo thanked the pastor and, and got up before the congregation and, and shared, I understand uh, this day that you have a, another big event to attend later on. And so I want you to know I'll be preaching for an hour or so today. And if you need to uh, leave, uh, go ahead and leave now. God bless you and be on your way. No one got up. Then he preached for about 25 minutes and sat down. Justo was not even vaguely aware about what uh, was going on with the big game that afternoon, but he was keenly aware of the good news of the gospel. And besides his sense of humor, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was something that all of our hearts are vaguely aware of. And that is that we long to be loved. We long to be identified as one who is known. This goes way beyond just our hunger for food or shelter. There's something about being made in the image of God, something about being human that even uh, lets us know at the core that there's something more than just the stuff that we touch in this life. So I tell you that story of vague awareness so that I can tell you this. Paul shifts gears in Romans chapter 5. He changes speed. And not only does he reflect on what he's been building the first four chapters, you know that because it starts with, therefore. But he is now inviting us to see not just that the, the good news of the gospel, that the justified shall live by faith, that it is for all people, Jew or Greek, that they might believe. He now says that this is what the believing life looks like. In many ways, chapter 5, as one author put it, is like a rosebud. When it's just beginning to bloom and still closed, closed you, you can't imagine the beauty that's about to be unfolded. In fact, you're surprised. The further it opens, you can't believe that so much was fit, fitting in there. Romans 5 is a, a preview of what is about to come. It's a, another author put it, a wide angle lens in this key turning point in Romans. Because as he joins together and lets us know that, that as we live by faith and it's through Christ, he wants us to know first that they cannot be separated. And so those first 
two verses of Romans are really a preview of the first five verses. And the first five verses are really a preview of the first uh, 11 verses. And really all 11 verses in the first part of chapter 5 are a preview of what is to come in chapters 6, 7, and 8. Which, by the way, doesn't get you off the hook for reading chapters 6, 7, and 8. But he begins to let us see what is to come and how life is to be lived. That faith moves us from frailty and failure to fullness and a finality that is certain. We hear in just these first two verses that we hear in a very personal way as we hear the God our Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit showing up there. That through our God the Father and through Christ Jesus, peace will come. And it's poured out by love, a God's unconditional love. Into, not just superficially, but into the core of who we are, into our hearts. And it's not because of how good we are, as we've learned. In fact, if you're like me, as the Holy Spirit pours into us, I often feel like this colander. And it just keeps seeping out. But God graciously keeps pouring in. This is the gift of God's grace. In fact, what we hear in the next verse, what we hear in the next verse is in verse 6 in particular, is that he didn't just wait until all those holes were patched. In fact, uh, we know that those holes are patched and justified by faith, but he goes on to say something more. He came while we were yet sinners, yet enemies of God. I often, when I'm thinking about this text, I think of the movie Saving Private Ryan, how Ryan didn't deserve uh, that crew of soldiers to come after him in the middle of World War II. And as many of them died to save his life long before he did anything to deserve it. It was a gift to him. But God takes it up a notch. He does even more than that. He comes after us. Imagine if that same group of soldiers did that for a soldier in need, but they That soldier was on the enemy side of the line. That's what God does for us. Well, we're enemies of God. During the Revolutionary War, there was a a faithful preacher of the gospel by the name of Peter Miller. And he lived near a fellow who hated him intensely particularly hated him for his Christian life and testimony. In fact, this man would often violently oppose him and even ridicule those who would attend this preacher's church. One day, this unbeliever was found guilty of treason during that first war of ours. And hearing about this, Peter Miller did something surprising. He traveled and went to George Washington himself and pleaded on behalf of this man for his life. And Washington said to him, 
Well, I'm sorry that the case is closed and, and we're not going to be able to save your friend's life. And Miller said, oh, he's not my friend. <laughs> he's my worst enemy. Washington said, well, he's your worst enemy? And you're here pleading for him? Well, that changes things. And when Miller went to and got to literally the place where this man would be hung, he got there and that man thought Miller was coming to gloat. Instead, he came bringing a written word of his freedom, his release, his emancipation. Man was shocked. Just as we are shocked that in our colander hearts full of sin and holes that God comes to us. Now Paul isn't teaching some form of universalism that just everyone will be saved. We hear at the beginning of this chapter it also says, therefore since you are justified by faith in Christ. You can't separate the two. He's talking to all those who now have received this gift. But in receiving this gift, he also recognizes in these words that we live in a time of in-between. I like how one author put it, the chafing of the old age and the new age coming together. You might remember in an earlier sermon, I talked about how they thought, the Jews initially thought that when the Messiah came, it would usher in the new age and the old age would come to an end and they were only partially right because there's this period of overlap. And it's that period of overlap that we are living in now. It's in many ways a gift of grace, an opportunity for us to share the good news of the gospel, an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be made known to those who yet still do not believe or have not received this great gift of a God who comes after not just those who love him, but those who are his enemies. For we aren't just justified in the future, we are justified now by faith in Christ. And as Paul lays out this preview of what this life looks like, and as he'll say it in detail in chapter 6, 7, and 8, he lets us know that as we move In the old world of frailty and failure, that he, by faith in him, gives us new life. After all, he gives us examples of this throughout the scriptures. And the prophet Hosea, for example, is called to marry an unfaithful bride. Guess who the unfaithful bride is still today? That's right. We, his church. And we need to come confessing because of all those holes, but he keeps telling us that we are justified by faith and invites us now to live in this period of overlap as his new creation. And in this period, he also lets us know that if you're a Christian, you will go through difficult times. You will suffer. But they do not threaten as we'll finally hear in chapter 8, most certainly, they do not threaten the glory that God has for you. 
There will be sin that you need to confess. There will be suffering that's not of your doing or your own fault. But the theology of the cross that we hear preached here lets us know that there is a miracle at work. A new life is coming. Maybe you're experiencing some of that suffering right now. Maybe you're grieving a loved one like those who knew my friend Justo and his family. But Justo knew that even death cannot separate him from God's glory. And so the apostle also wants us to have a a certainty of the fullness of joy and finality of that certain hope that we can have. Paul wants us to know that even if life makes you wonder, as one author put it, you can know that nothing, we'll hear this in Romans 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And here he calls it that certain hope. A new life in Christ that God is inviting us to experience. A new humanity even. As we'll hear in verses 12 and following, he begins to give us more of the details. He says that as one man, Adam, brought sin to the world, one man, Jesus, will bring new life. And we know that one man, Adam, doesn't just refer to Adam, the first man that God created. It's also the Hebrew word for humanity. And so as humanity brought sin into this world, This one man, Jesus, brings us new life. And we can even see and get a clue in the work of the church through the ages that lets us know that what God has been doing has been at work even uh, imperfectly through us. Remember how we learned in chapters 1 through 4 that Christ is for all nations, Jew and Greek, I looked up this week some of the latest statistics on uh, people of faith and religions in the world. As best I can tell from uh, the research I did, about 31% of the world right now are Christian. The next uh, highest percentage is, is that of Islam or the Muslim faith at 25%. With something uniquely different, though, between the two, even though those numbers aren't that far apart, is that in Islam, about half of those who practice uh, Islam live in just 10 countries in the Middle East and in North Africa. Meanwhile, Christianity, though more heavily populated in certain countries to be sure, is widespread throughout the world. It gives us a clue that this faith that God has given us, that he promised in uh, chapters 1 through 4, is indeed for all peoples. Neither Jew nor Greek. Jesus died for all. And so this reminds us as well that you and I have a mission to share this new life in our neighborhoods with those who don't yet know or have not yet received this pouring out of the Holy Spirit into their hearts by faith through Christ. 
And this gift of faith is way beyond vague. God comes to us personally by name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he pours into our hearts. You know what? Come to think of it, a colander in that case might not be a bad example. As the Holy Spirit pours that unconditional love into us, his imperfect vessels, we are in fact called to be like Colander, spreading that love to the world around us. And by the way, don't be depressed that there's only 31% of Christians uh, making up the world because after all that percentage was a lot smaller for those first disciples, wasn't it? And so we have a calling and a purpose. We get to share the good news with 69% who have got to receive this great word. One more football analogy as we wrap up. You know, as the Holy Spirit pours into us. Don't be like those coaches who are going to duck from the Gatorade dash that they're going to get some of them at the end of the game. Let us with open arms receive this gift of love by faith through Christ. Can't separate the two. And not just be vaguely aware of that gift from the Holy Spirit pouring into us because he's not a vague God. He comes to us by name. Let this God who can in any circumstance, though we may not enjoy our circumstances and they might cause us to grieve, we can still in the midst of it have peace because we know Jesus rescues us. We know the Holy Spirit is pouring into us and that we can endure because we have a certain hope. May that good news bring you to new life. Amen.